Hi everyone. Before we start this episode, we felt it was important for us as two white women to make it very clear where we stand on the recent events and conversations being had on the Black Lives Matter movement. Firstly, to our black listeners, we love you. Though we can never fully understand your lived experiences, we can see the grief, pain and anger you live with due to the trauma inflicted on you by the racist society we are in. And we endeavour to keep working to be better allies to you on our online platforms, but most importantly, in our day-to-day lives. And to our white listeners, even as two white women who aim to be relatively well-informed on issues of social justice, our big wake-up call from the events of the past week is that we all need to be and do better. Just because you aren't burning crosses on anyone's lawn or spraying swat stickers on someone's home, it does not mean racism is nothing to do with you, that it's not our problem to solve. It's everybody's problem and we have to start acting like it. Saying and doing nothing makes us complicit. Our inaction helps maintain a system that murders countless black people in the street in broad daylight. That is also racism. And that is absolutely our problem to help solve. We all have work to do to get better at this, us very much included. And we cannot let our white guilt or shame or fear of not doing it perfectly stop us from trying. We will all fuck up and get it wrong sometimes, but we have to hear the criticism, swallow that and keep doing it anyway. This is not about us. It's about showing up to support the black community And we wanted to try and use our small platform to make a plea to our fellow white listeners to join us in taking action. There are plenty of things, big and small, we can do to help. There are petitions to be signed, bail funds to be donated to, black businesses to be supported, black voices to be amplified, and books and articles to be read so that we can educate ourselves. We're going to be adding some of the links that we found helpful over the past week or so in our show notes so that you can find those resources too we know not everyone's in a position to do all of those things but if everyone does something and keeps doing it we could contribute to some real positive change we can do this but only if we all commit to doing things differently and we urge you to do the work with us yeah thank you for listening Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Animatbeal Rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Animatbeal through 2020 eyes. Woo-hoo. Hi, Eleanor, <laughs> again. <laughs> Guys, we just um, recorded, well, I didn't record for about, what, half an hour? And now we've had to... Stop yeah, and start all over again because I forgot to hit record. Which is really fun, and it would have been <laughs> fine if it was just the two of us, but of course we've got a guest today, so we've just wasted someone else's time as well. Uh, we've got Katie Parker joining us today from the TFGIF podcast, um, and uh, she's no relation, but we love her just the same. Um, thank you for coming back, and thank you for bearing with our oh, no technical... Worries. What else do I have to do today? I can sit here and talk about Ally McBeal all day. <laughs> and it looks like you might do. 
We've got Katie on because she is the unofficial expert of Ali McBeal Christmas episodes. Um, Katie guested on uh, season two's uh, Christmas episode for us um, and it went so well we decided we would have to have her back for season three. Um, So thank you Katie for coming on the show today. Um, Tell us a little bit about season three Christmas episode from your perspective what you're looking forward to. So this one I mostly look forward to for the Christmas party. I think it's fun. Yeah. And um, maybe a little bit problematic now, but still fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And tell our listeners about your podcast because it's kind of Ali McBeal adjacent in terms of interests. Yeah. So my podcast (laughs) is, like you said, called TFGIF. Thank fucking God it's Friday. (laughs) And we talk about 90s TV shows for the most part. Occasionally we'll do a 90s movie as well because my co-host definitely remembers more about movies than TV shows back then. I think think he was mostly watching cartoons and stuff like that, whereas I was watching, (laughs) you know, TGIF and all of the live action TV shows. So we started doing some movies. We most recently had our episode about A League of Their Own come out which was amazing, very factual yes. episode. So if you listen, you're sure episode. to learn something new. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love learning facts behind movies, and I really like that movie. So it's a good episode to dive into if you've not listened to Katie before. Um, Eleanor, we learned last time we were recording this about half an hour ago, there's never seen a leak of her own. No, I haven't, but I'll have to check it out if it's a classic. I can understand that being, you know, in the UK, baseball's not a big thing for you guys. It's not. And yeah, especially it's, really not. <laughs> it's about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, which was definitely not a thing in the UK. <laughs> yeah, no. It is a good, I like it though. It's a good kind of heartwarming movie, in my opinion. But often like sports like movies it. aren't actually about the sports, are they? They're usually no, they're about the exactly. characters. You don't necessarily need to know anything about baseball to enjoy that movie so no no not at all cool yeah yes uh so what are we (laughs) here to do today (laughs) what we're trying to do today is we're trying to talk (laughs) about episode eight of season three called blue christmas which first aired on the 20th of december 1999 (laughs) We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the 90s. The decade more problematic than it looks. Now you've got an actual surprise. <laughs> I tell you that the UK number one is still Cliff Richard with uh, the Millennium Prayer. Which we have already which said. Which was boring last episode terrible. when he was number one then. <laughs> and boring now, so um, we'll move on from him. <laughs> uh, the US number one is still Santana with Smooth. Um, which is such a bop. And I cannot believe that it was still like number one. It's been number one for most of season three. Do you remember Smooth being such a big deal in 1999? Was everyone listening to it in the US, Katie? I'm just imagining that everyone was playing it. (laughs) Yeah, it was played on the radio a lot. And we just had the radio on whenever we were driving around. So I definitely heard it. It wasn't one that I loved. If I'm going (gasps) to pick a Santana song from that era that I did like, it's the one that had Michelle Branch on it. I think it was maybe a year or two after. What was that one called? 
Was it Game of Love? It's the Game of Love it is, I've just seen. The one that goes, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's all in the Game of Love. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. I, that's when you're about. my terrible I... rendition. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, Katie's just looking at you like, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I think I remember what you're talking about, Eleanor. But yeah. I, for me, Smooth is such a banger. I still listen to Smooth today. Like, I just think it's a really good song. But, I mean, I don't think I listen to it as much as America seemed to in 1999. It was everywhere. They could not get enough. <laughs> could not get away. Um, 21st of December, uh, Girl Interrupted is released, the uh, film with Angelina Jolie and Winona Ryder, and who else is in it? Great movie. Brittany Murphy, in it? I think Brittany I'm going to have to add that to my movie list, because I don't remember it well enough. It's oh, really it's good. So good. It got, it's, You'll really like it, I think. It's the film that got Angelina Jolie her Oscar. She's really good in it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Brittany Murphy's really good. I, I love Brittany, Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy was such an underrated actress. Mm. Like, she did not get I enough... I love her so much. Um, ...work. Like, uh, she wasn't Tragedy. in enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Bless her. I agree. Actually, if you are watching movies, or at least this has been happening to me as I've been watching a million movies within the last week, she has <laughs> been in a lot of them, I feel like. I watched Clueless. She was in that. She's yeah. loads. Yeah, she's she's just very um, she, like her screen presence is so good in everything that she's in. She just really steals the show. I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, we yeah. Um I recently rewatched Clueless, and she's so good. She's so cute and funny, and just like she's just adorable in it. She's so fresh faced. Like yeah, yeah really I underrated. Yeah, she's great. Um, 22nd of December, singer Emma Bunton launches a government <laughs> safety advertising campaign warning people of the dangers of drinking and handling fireworks on Millennium Eve. Because... Which I really don't remember, and <laughs> I don't understand why it was only Emma, Baby Spice, who was like, don't but handle also... fireworks. Like, all the other Spice Girls were like, do what we want, we don't care. <laughs> But I, also, it's that thing of like the people, the kind of people that are going to do that. Are they really going to listen to Baby Spice like about <laughs> yeah. fireworks safety? We don't I really don't like fireworks here for New Year's. We have like the big displays oh. and stuff like that. But obviously, Independence Day, Fourth of July is our main yeah. firework holiday. Firework. Yeah. Ciars is bonfire night. I think it's become more of a it's become more of a thing in recent years, I think. Um because I don't remember fireworks being such a thing when I was a kid on New Year's, but um the millennium certainly, I think because it was just such a big event, everyone was like big fireworks. Thing. And obviously Baby Spice was yeah. like, but be careful. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> um 25th of December, so Christmas Day, uh Magnolia is released. Um, which I think I need to rewatch. Yeah, because uh, I, I have not I, seen it. It is on my list. It's Tom Cruise, isn't it? Who's yeah, not Tom my fave, so I don't. Think he, but he's I'd playing like out. a proper asshole in it. Um, so I think. So. It, it, <laughs> isn't he like a motivational really speaker good. or yeah. something like that? He's really, it's really, he's really good at it because you believe he is like that asshole. <laughs> like, 
he's very I don't convincing. Know. He's just never my favourite actor, and people like are annoyed at me about it. But I don't know. People are annoyed at me about lots of things at the moment. People are annoyed at me because I didn't know someone from James Bond last time. I don't, you know, what can I do? Well, you know, I I like her. I we we always call like a good Tom Cruise film. Like me and Liam always call it a cruise castle. Oh man! I don't think anyone needs one of those. <laughs> we love a cruise castle. Oh god, Eleanor! I don't think our explicit racing is enough for this. I don't feel... Stop it! <laughs> Okay, moving on. Uh, December 26th, um, cyclones Lothar and Martin killed 140 people as they crossed France, southern Germany and Switzerland, which I don't remember happening at the time. Like, um, but yeah. Hey, that sounds horrendous though. Um, 27th of December is the network television debut of Spice World on BBC One. Woohoo! <laughs> Another one I have not seen. Yeah, one you need to watch, Katie. Another one you need to watch. Definitely. We'll, we'll watch it on our podcast at some point, I'm sure. Yes. Cool. What a great episode that will be. Um, 30th of December, George Harrison and his wife Olivia fight off a knife attack by an intruder in his Friar Park I do home, remember that. And George Harrison suffers minor stab wounds in the attack, which is crazy. I do remember that because it was obviously just before New Year's yeah. and I think it was like, like who was doing that this time of the year? Well, yeah. To George. Poor old George. I know. Well, I mean, and also if you imagine like, you know, the fact that John Lennon was assassinated, like, you mm. know, what, when was, is it the 80s, wasn't it, John Lennon? 80, yeah, 80, 1980. 1980 or 1981 or something, yeah. Early 80s. Yeah, so like, yeah. 20 years previous, like that's really... Scary. Scary. Mm. Um, yeah. 31st of December, uh, Millennium celebrations are held across the country and the world, including the official <laughs> opening of the Millennium Dome and the unveiling of the London Eye in London. The Millennium Dome, which was a waste of time and is now the O2 uh, yes. arena, obviously, so a lot more useful. But the London Eye is still going strong, yeah. still going round and round. Well, probably not at the moment, actually, because of <laughs> <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's actually built quite well for social distancing because you get like those discrete pods. Yeah. You'd only have to have like a couple of people in at a time. Yeah. Yeah. A great activity for lockdown (laughs) times. Was the Y2K bug a big thing in the UK? Yeah, um, it, was, it was. Yeah, it was big news. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was big news in our house because our dad was working for um, Chase Manhattan Bank at the time and he oh was on gosh. the project. Yeah, my mom was working for C First Bank, which is now Bank of America, as a project manager for their Y two K project. Oh, they have the same job, just yeah. with different banks. <laughs> you know, I recently yeah. um, listened to. Uh, you know, I listened to that podcast. Um, You're wrong about. Oh yeah, they recently did an episode on the Millennium Bug, and like oh. whether and and it was really interesting because. Basically, most countries in the world didn't do anything about the Millennium Bug and were absolutely uh-huh. fine. And it's just like, it's ah. really interesting in regards to like, 
oh, it, it, like what what happened there? Did we need to? Because often people point to the millennium bug as a thing of like, oh yeah, everyone panicked about it and it was nothing, and and people make the argument of well, it was only nothing because stuff was done about it. We did it. work on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then there's all these other things of like Germany didn't do anything and was fine. Oh. Like loads of other countries, like Western How countries, didn't do anything extra and. And I they feel were like that's what dad always says whenever we I don't know if it's not come up that often in conversation no. <laughs> but whenever anyone's like was the was the Y2K bug even a thing dad's like only because we put loads of work into it yeah well it's, it's really I really recommend this episode because it's really interesting because you're kind of walking you kind of walk away from it being like so was it a thing like I don't know <laughs> Were we all just gaslit? By project managers everywhere? I should ask my mom about it. (laughs) It's really interesting. Uh, So yeah, give that a listen. Um, The other thing I've got is um, 31st of December, Boris Yeltsin resigned as the president of Russia, leaving Prime Minister Vladimir Putin as the acting president. And I threw that in just because I don't think I realised that he had been like in charge of russia for like that long 20 years that is crazy isn't that crazy mad mad i definitely have like known of him for a long time but i guess i didn't realize that he was in that role for so long yeah same 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 um by the end of 1999 more than 20 percent 20 percent of the uk population (laughs) uh over 12 million people now have internet access Oh my goodness, 20%, that's hilarious. It's really funny. I wonder what it was like in the US, like what the percentage the was then at the same time. I am I'm looking sure. it up. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Were they prepared for Y2K with the internet? <laughs> so um, this says that in 2000, it was 41.5%. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So that doesn't surprise me that they were maybe ahead. Yeah, no, of the UK. I it doesn't they have 1999. It says 98 was 26.2 percent. Oh, so they were ahead. Yeah, they must have been ahead. and this so is according to the ahead. Census Bureau, so it's very official. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go. And then the last thing I've got are um, the new uh, English words and terms that were coined in 1999, um, and Ooh. they include blog. Uh, wow, that's surprising that it's that early. Yeah. I would have thought that came later. Carbon footprint, which I thought would have been later as well. Mm. Uh, dash cam, uh, texting. That I thought that would have been later. Texting. Yeah, I was definitely texting in 1998. I was so not. Yeah, was that when you had your first mobile then? Yeah, I got my first mobile in 19. 19- or was it 99 actually i don't remember my phone having texting until like 2003 or 2004 maybe i didn't get a mobile until later we weren't allowed i thought we weren't allowed mobiles until we were 16 yeah maybe that is right okay yeah i I got mine when i turned 16 yeah it was one that didn't have texting on it i'm pretty sure what do you use it for? For calling. <laughs> and playing that oh, snake God. game. That oh, snake. snake. Yeah, I used yeah, to do snake. snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, well, I swear, like, every phone I've had had, text, had a texting function on it. I can't... I don't oh, even know what, don't, what it would be Casey, like. you must have had, like, a super early model. <laughs> Did you have, like, a brick? 
No, my dad did have that. Um, But no, mine was just like the normal Nokia phone that just had calling, maybe an address book, and snake. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) uh, Yeah, you're right, Eleanor. I think I did have a mobile later. I think I'm just like pretending that I had one sooner. (laughs) For dramatic effect. What year were you 16? Uh, 2001. I think I got it in 2001, but I think I was allowed to send a text using mum's mobile <laughs> the time? year before. <laughs> and it took me like half an hour to figure out how to do it. And it was just like some really like stupid text like, hi, we'll be at school tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> to like Rachel or someone. But yeah. <laughs> no. And I also got mine in 2001 when I turned 16. So oh, yeah. There you go. And it was um, my mom's. It was a hand-me-down, and she just changed oh. the faceplate on it. Remember when the phones oh, yeah, had the yeah. faceplate? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the last word, which I'm really surprised by, is vape was coined in 1999. Gosh. And what were people vaping then? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How You're bizarre. <laughs> so, so that's cultural wow. stuff. <laughs> Ring the alarm. We've got a new patron, uh, our guest today, <laughs> Katie. Katie, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> Has become a new subscriber to our Patreon uh, at Ali level. So thank you very much, thank Katie. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks for joining <laughs> us again. <laughs> again, again. And thanks for <laughs> acting surprised that we sprung this on you for the second time. <laughs> Oh dear. No, well, I love supporting well. other podcasts on Patreon. So, oh, it's yeah, great. it's really nice to do that as well. Does TGIF have a TFGIF even have a have a Patreon? No, not yet. I have been kind of working on some stuff, but because we just came back from our hiatus, I wanted right. to make sure that we're you know going to be consistent and yeah. all that stuff before we start you know asking people to support us monetarily. <laughs> Well, let us know when that happens because I'm sure we'll return the favour. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Um, cool. Podcast supporting podcast. That's what it's all about. It's absolutely. just money circulating between the same <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's dive into the episode. It's the last episode of the millennium. Everything else after this is in 2000. So I just realised uh, I'm going to have to change the cultural stuff jingle because... We're no longer in the 90s. We're no longer in the 90s, Anna. What am I going to do? <laughs> You're going to have to change a whole jingle. Jeez. Oh. All the admin that this millennium is causing. It's worse than the Y2K bug. <laughs> <laughs> so, Blue Christmas. Um, yeah, so I was saying before when we recorded this, <laughs> oh, so long ago, um, that... Um, uh, I was really taken aback by this episode because I was expecting it to be like a fun Christmas episode and I ended up in tears at the end of it. So please grab your tissues. We start and it's Christmas, obviously, in Boston and it's nighttime and Vonda is singing a Christmas song um, which is called The Star Carol and it's been made most famous, I think, by Peggy Lee, but I didn't recognise it at all um, and I wasn't sure if it was just more popular in the states than in the uk but no definitely not i only know this song from this episode and 
The thing that really stuck with me was that it spoils what's going to happen in 30 seconds. They really <laughs> set the stage. <laughs> yeah, the lyrics spell it out, don't they? So um, the what happens is Ali and Elaine are walking along the Christmassy streets um, talking about the Cajun Fish Christmas party and whether or not um, Ali's going to sing. Um, and Ali is saying that she doesn't want to. And Elaine says that Ali sang at the bar last year and she was really great. So she's trying to convince her to do it again this year. And I would just like to fact check here because number one, they didn't have a Christmas party at the bar last year. It was in the office on a goddamn stage that Elaine <laughs> built with her own goddamn hands. So why isn't she remembering that? And two, Ali didn't sing because she was too busy being kissed by Billy. So what the hell is going on here? Have they just forgotten? Yeah, I think either they've, um, he's, David E. Kelly has forgotten what he did the previous year, or he is, uh, or, or yeah, they're talking about another off-camera festive celebration that they had at the bar. How rude. How rude. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I think it's not off camera. I think David E. Kelly just needs to get his up. back straight and write down what happens in his own bloody show. Get it together, <laughs> David. Christ. Get it together, man. <laughs> anyway, Elaine continues um, to try and convince Ali, but then she stops because she's seen something across the street where there is a church nativity scene and she thought she saw the baby jesus in that nativity uh move um and ali is joking around like oh did he dance um but then elaine's like no 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 seriously and they run across the street to get a closer look and elaine approaches the baby and it's a real baby it's a real baby baby. wrapped up in a big old (laughs) thick winter sleep suit yeah baby (laughs) what is that from i don't even know that's from um katie won't know where that's from it's from a british kids tv show called my parents are aliens okay and it's, do you not remember that eleanor yeah i do i was just like you do that come yeah from? it just bubbled up it uh, comes from that yeah that's where it comes from so oh. any of our british listeners may recognize that reference but likely probably most people don't and we just look stupid <laughs> sorry about that quite obscure that's what you get when you have sisters on a podcast um but then <laughs> elaine is completely enchanted and just picks this baby up and ali is super suspicious and just comes forward and pokes it going she's like not convinced that it's real um and when the baby doesn't i guess um start dancing or roller skating or shooting arrows um ali is like ah i see my test has been satisfied it is a real baby okay quite a little confirm (laughs) can confirm i've poked and said the magic words and it did not respond (laughs) as the dancing baby so after titles it's the next day and ali has decided that she is gonna sing at the party and she's telling richard this um, Richard is against this because he doesn't think she can sing. In his words, uh, you're having a voice isn't my concern. It's just the rest of us have ears. Um, but Ali is almost trying to convince herself and Richard um, that she can do it because she's like, I can sing. <laughs> and then she 
walks off to her office and as soon as she walks in the heavily festooned door, um, she's startled because Elaine is sitting there feeding the lost baby. Um, And I don't know if you guys noticed, but Elaine had a very 90s uh, choker. Yes. uh, Yes. One of those ones that looks a bit like a tattoo. So fashionable then and now. And now. You're right. Come back. It's come back. It's come back. Everything comes around full circle. Definitely. <laughs> Not quite Ali's like weird ponchos that she's been wearing these yeah, let's Certainly an age choker. Let's hope that they don't come back. <laughs> um, so Ali is shocked that Elaine still has the baby because um, I think they probably agreed that Elaine was going to turn him in because that's the right <laughs> thing to do. Um, but she says that she couldn't because she wants to keep him. I'm surprised that Ali wouldn't have gone with her to do that. Well, That's yeah, true, I guess she actually. just kind of took Elaine at her word that she was going to do it. <laughs> and was like, oh, well, not my problem. <laughs> Elaine's home. got it from her. <laughs> um, but Ali's trying to explain to Elaine that you can't just keep babies that you find on the street <laughs> because it's illegal. <laughs> but Elaine doesn't want him to go to a foster home or to go back with someone who abandoned him. Um, and Ali is like, but you don't really have a choice. You do have to tell the police. And Elaine is like, well, okay, I'll do that. But how can I do that and still keep him? So off they go to see John uh, with the baby um, to find out how she could do that. And John is really not optimistic of Elaine's chances. But he does think that the fact that she's got possession of the baby would give her a a case to kind of just get into court at least. So he thinks that they should notify the police and the social services um, at the same time as kicking off a petition for custody. And then he says that he also thinks that if Elaine could lactate, that would help build their case of best interests of the child, (laughs) which is grim madness (laughs) um but elaine immediately gets her boobs out to try um and this sends john into a stuttering spiral um i don't know what he expected well i know (laughs) it's like why did you say that if you didn't want if you didn't want elaine to whip out her boobs right there and then why would you say it (laughs) elaine's gonna go there exactly she's got no fear with this stuff (laughs) yes So then we get Macho Man by the village people start up as we cut to possibly one of the most disgusting things that's ever graced my television screen. (laughs) Billy is pumping iron in his office, shirtless, (laughs) looking so pleased with himself. And it is absolutely disgusting. And I want to throw in my... to this scene because I don't think it should come up without warning I think we should have had a clear warning before this came up I did not need to see this everyone should be warned before it comes onto your screen so you can duck behind the sofa if need be it's too much and I don't want it to me his glistening sweat you didn't like that no (laughs) his bleached head his smirk on his face so pleased with himself this is it like it wouldn't be so disturbing if he didn't look so fucking pleased with himself like i just like have a normal expression on your face for god's sake like why are you looking just like this happy (laughs) no terrible So um, Sandy, his assistant, walks in um, and there's a record scratch as she kind of interrupts this absolute scene. Um, And it's all like, (laughs) maybe I should come back. Um, But Billy's like, no, no, stay. 
and smell my sweaty office. <laughs> like, imagine the smell in that room. Oh, it must be disgusting. Terrible. And instead of telling Billy to fuck off, she's far too polite and she does say, um, and she tells uh, Billy what she came in to tell him, which is that Richard has moved the party to the bar which I guess that means they were going to do it in the office this year again too I mean is budget still a problem well she says (laughs) due to the overflow so I'm guessing they figured that it's going to be the overflow of Billy's inflated (laughs) ego this year (laughs) your head has gotten too big to have the office party in the office you needed to hire out an entire bar to fit in or maybe word got around about Ali performing and everyone was like I gotta see this (laughs) Yeah. yeah maybe maybe um well, anyway, this bigger space apparently means that Billy can invite someone else as a plus one. So Sandy's trying to find out if he wants to do that and if she should call someone. Um, and Billy's now like rubbing himself with a towel. I can't believe Sandy has to stand there and witness this display. But he's saying that he's not inviting anyone and he might not even go himself. And Sandy's trying to talk him out of that because she says, you know, you are lonely and you should be around your friends as Billy is finally putting on a shirt. Um, And then Billy is basically worried about Georgia being there. So Sandy says, why don't you invite Georgia? Because my mum and dad split up and they only got back together because my dad asked my mum on a date. So maybe that could work for you and Georgia. But Billy doesn't think Georgia would agree to go with him. Um, But Sandy thinks, yeah, but she might agree to a dance though, which could then lead to more. Billy remains unconvinced um, and Sandy leaves. It's a bit weird that like she just assumes that Billy wants to get back together with Georgia. But I guess because he the last. Yeah, was it the last thing we've seen is that he asked Georgia to put the wedding wedding wing, the wedding ring (laughs) back on. (laughs) Yeah. that old wedding wing back on and um and she said no wasn't that the last thing that kind of happened yeah 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 so I guess she yeah so she's not yeah I guess it makes sense that she would do that then so in court the lawyer for the social services is uh basically saying that whilst they understand that Elaine might want to adopt the baby uh so do lots of other people and Elaine can't just push to the front of the queue (laughs) funny enough um and john is trying to argue the best interests of the child and that they've already begun to bond um and the judge is like are you suggesting finders keepers and john's like no i'm suggesting destiny there's a reason she found him in that nature fate which is not a great alternative (laughs) oh dear he's so dramatic So the actor who plays the other lawyer, McCabe, he was actually in one of my favorite Christmas movies from the time. It was a TV movie called Christmas Every Day. So funny that we're watching a Christmas Ah, episode as well. It was from 1997. And it was basically like a Groundhog Day, but it was starring a kid named... Oh my uh, goodness. Well, the actor was Eric Von Detten. So he hates Christmas so much. And by the end of it, he has to like do all this stuff for the community. And then Groundhog Day ends. So yeah, it does sound like a complete like it's Groundhog Day, but Christmas like. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like the sort of film um, I would really like to watch in the lead up to Christmas because I really like watching trashy like Hallmark movies at that point in time. Oh, yeah. It's very, very (laughs) basic. Like, 
it's not well produced or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's the that's the time to watch those, right? Um it's funny because those types of movies weren't really a thing in the UK until really recently like since Netflix basically became a thing yeah. and they started doing like the Christmas oh. Prince and stuff I think we have we do have the Hallmark channel now but I don't think we used to like no. back in the day or maybe we did but only for like cable cable but we certainly didn't have them no. as kids but yeah like so that the the idea of a TV like movie that's like crap but you love watching it anyway <laughs> just wasn't really part of our kind of culture I guess no. in the UK um but it is much more now so that's the sort of thing that I'm like oh Netflix need to get their hands on the rights and show <laughs> yeah. that at Christmas time because I would definitely watch it well it is on Amazon Prime at least here <gasps> so is it? I'll have you to could, that up. you could check but yeah I don't think that the Hallmark channel did a ton of Christmas movies back then I mean certainly not as many as they do now and yeah. most of the like TV Christmas movies I watched were from what was then called Fox Family Channel is now called Freeform, uh, and then the Disney Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Disney Channel was good for that as well. Yeah, the um other uh, spot in here is um the judge is an actress who also played uh Laverne, who's a, a nurse in <laughs> Scrubs. Um, yes. which I wouldn't have spotted if it wasn't for the fact that I am currently re-watching Scrubs um, and listening to the uh, re-watch Scrubs podcast uh, done by Zach Braff and Donald Faison, uh, which I recommend. Big doctors, if- real friends. Yes, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I recommend that if you if you were a fan of Scrubs, you'll like that podcast. It's kind of interesting as well that her name in real life is Aloma Wright, and her character on the show is Aloma Harris. Oh, really? Oh, oh there you go. Good spot. <laughs> the social services lawyer um, basically keeps interrupting John, which makes him really flustered. But he continues to say um, that the baby's already begun to bond. I've seen it, and he's where he's meant to be. Um, and I was like, so that's settled. It. <laughs> Case closed. John's seen it, so we don't need to argue. <laughs> But social services is like, we don't even know Elaine. Like, we don't know if she's fit to be a parent. And John's like, aha. But to say that, she must have some standing to be a parent then. And the social services lawyer is like, he's tricked me. (laughs) So the judge basically agrees to give Elaine a chance in a hearing for 2pm that day. Um, And the opposing counsel tries to argue for more time. But then the judge is like, well, the longer you wait, the more time Elaine has to bond with him because she's got custody pending a hearing. Um, So the opposing counsel is like, okay, fine, two o'clock today. So Elaine is holding the baby in Ali's office. Um, and she's kind of trying out the name Elliot on him so that she can call him something. Um, and Ali is sort of watching Elaine from the doorway and she kind of approaches slowly and sits down next to Elaine. Um, and Elaine didn't notice Ali at all because she was so mesmerized by Elliot, the baby. Um, and Elaine tells Ali a story that when she was little, she used to dream of being a grown up. And that there was always a child in this dream, but there was no husband, which she thought didn't make any sense. And Ali's like, so, but now it does. And Elaine's like, yeah, he's he's really real, Ali. And Ali's like, yeah, he is, but he's not really yours, not yet. And the baby yawns very cutely. Um, and it's clear that Elaine is like 
off with the fairies with this one like she's completely like mapped out like that he's hers and like yeah she's gonna have a life with him and Ali's a bit like ah how do we stop this runaway train yeah she's getting a bit carried away and swept away with the emotion of it and Ali's just trying to ground her a little bit in reality of like this isn't a dumb deal yet like you need to calm yeah. down <laughs> I was trying to think a little bit about why that's the case because I don't think that I would necessarily be the same way as Elaine in the same situation. No. Clearly, like, the other people in the room are not as well. And I think maybe it has something to do with, like, the things that she's gone through with her family. Like, they mentioned some of it later, how, like, Mm. she had the cousin who, like, tried to sue her and stuff like that yeah she probably just wants something that's more stable in her life and is seeing this as that opportunity i I think you're right i also think she's uh, lonely a lot and i feel like she thinks like this is the thing that's gonna fulfill fulfill the whole yeah yeah that's what i thought the loneliness thing and i was trying to think i can't remember a time when we've seen elaine this taken with something yeah like even when she was um like emotionally speaking i mean um like so even when she's like obviously been into a guy before i've never seen her like this head over uh, heels kind of just yeah, yeah. completely like he- hook line and sinker and it's really um sad to watch in a way because as i say i think it is born out of a deep loneliness that she has in her life which is a shame really because she actually has a lot of fulfilling pieces of her life yeah and it's almost like the show's saying but you know that's not enough she needs to have either a child or a man man. yeah yeah yeah. because otherwise what is the fucking point (laughs) otherwise (laughs) "Ah!" you must be empty inside (laughs) otherwise (laughs) yeah um so yeah it is interesting to think about that from a character perspective but so later in the unisex Richard is trying to get Billy to talk Ali out of singing at the Christmas party um Richard is really alarmed because Ali has said that she's gonna sing something sexy which Billy is like no she isn't but Richard's like no really next we're gonna have Mary Tyler Moore doing porn (laughs) best line in the whole episode (laughs) (laughs) but then of course we hear a toilet flush and Ali comes out and she asks Richard if he doesn't think that she could be sexy and Richard tries to get out of putting his foot in it by saying that no 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 if I see you being sexy it's gonna make me unable to fantasize about anyone else (laughs) and Ali is just like I can be very sexy Richard Richard." like really sternly (laughs) and Billy kind of looks like he'd rather be anywhere but in the middle of this conversation right now (laughs) he's just kind of looking at the ceiling and then like um So in another office, Ling and Nell are on the floor cooing over Elliot on his changing map. And he's kind of mid, uh, I was going to say mid nappy change, but I guess it's mid diaper change if you're speaking American. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So Nell is really concerned about Elliot getting um, diaper rash and she's insisting on putting more powder on. But Ling is like, no, no, he's got enough on. Um, and while they argue about the powder, Elliot pees in Ling's face, which Nell thinks is absolutely hilarious and is saying, oh, it's because he wanted more powder. <laughs> and she goes to finish changing him. And of course, he pees in Nell's face too. And she's absolutely... 
absolutely horrified. Um, and she's also really concerned as to whether he got pee in her hair, which um, it's it, her hair's in like space buns today. It's, really, like, it's yeah, not it's, like it's like the Princess Leia bun, but they're further up on her hair. Yeah. yeah, more like Mickey Mouse's. Yeah. yeah, they are like Mickey Mouse's because you know when Ning does space buns, they look kind of small and cute. But Nell's just got so much hair that they're just like huge, like pastries on the side of her head. So funny. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Margaret Camero is back. Uh, we've obviously seen her in quite a few episodes this season. Um, first as a kind of sociologist for hire, but then she's hired Cajun Fish to. Um, help her out with an adoption case um she's back um she kind of comes hot off the elevator at the courthouse with Ali John and Elaine um which I guess is why Nell and Ling were babysitting Elliot because they're busy at the courthouse um and they've basically called Margaret in to testify as a sociologist that the baby is better off with Elaine but the problem is Margaret doesn't necessarily think that's true and I'm a bit like shouldn't you have briefed her like before getting her to come down to the courtroom like give her a call and be like this is what you want you to do you know you're up for it but that wouldn't make for very good tv no (laughs) (laughs) but what i don't like is that john turns she says i don't necessarily think it's true and john says we don't need you to think it we need you to say it and i was like bloody rude john like you're so rude to this woman exactly all the time Oh, well, she also me. is clearly not happy about it, not least because she always gets, she always ends up being called a vicious lesbian. So I really don't blame her. Exactly. She's absolutely right to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Ali's trying to appeal to Margaret by saying that, you know, we thought you'd be good because you get it because you've recently adopted. So you know what it's like to bond with a baby. And Margaret's like, yeah, but it's not about me. It's about or Elaine, it's about the baby's side that counts. So Ali's like, okay, fine. Well, how long did it take for your baby to bond with you? And Margaret is really reluctant, but she's like, uh, about a day. And Ali's like, well, why can't you just say that? And Margaret says, well, that's more my opinion as a mum than a sociologist. And Ali's like, well, whatever, just say it. <laughs> Get on the stand. <laughs> Who cares what you are when you're on the stand? So I'm just saying the right things. Exactly. Exactly. Um, meanwhile, Georgia is over at Raddick and Associates living her best work life with her feet up without any Cajun fish nonsense. Um, when who should come and spoil it but old Bleachhead. Yep, <laughs> Billy has come to ask Georgia to the Christmas party as his date. Um, but before she can give an RSVP, another lady arrives from social services and she wants to speak to Renee Radish to ask her a few <laughs> questions about Elaine. And I'm like, the lady is literally, her name's literally on the friggin' door. <laughs> yes. Like, how have you managed? How dumb also, are you? She must have had the address. <laughs> like, Renee Raddick, Raddick and Associates, one, like, high street. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> um, Renee is, is displeased, um, clearly because this moron can't read her name correctly. Um, but anyway... She's come to speak to Renee to ask her a few questions about Elaine. Ruh, ruh. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the same thing is happening at Cajun Fish. Another social worker is grilling Richard because they need to be happy that Elaine is fit to parent. So they're sort of doing some investigatory conversations to find out more about her. So the whole time Richard's talking to this social worker, um, he has this lamp 
on his desk, which he pushes down to kind of get out of his <laughs> eye line so he that can see the social worker. But the hinge on this lamp is clearly not, you know, working properly because it keeps slowly making its way back up and he keeps having to push it back down. I think it has a counterweight. My dad had the same one. Oh, oh there you interesting. Go. Well, anyway, uh, instead of just moving the lamp, which he does eventually do, he just keeps pushing it. So it keeps interrupting his eye line. But he's um, sharing his view, which is... Is anybody? I beg your pardon? Come on, it's not like you need a license to raise children. That's not a bad idea. Anybody can be a parent as long as you can procreate. Plus, you know, it takes a village. And I was like, well, the, the problem with this is that with adoption, you kind of do need to have a license. Like, you at least need to, like, pass checks and stuff. And not anybody can do it for kind of good reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so this was actually my... It wasn't oh, okay. with one of the quotes that you specifically said, but it was when he says... Some of the most irresponsible people are the girls who let themselves get pregnant. Yeah, and, he says that next, you doesn't know, he? That's pretty problematic. He does yeah. have a point that you don't need any qualifications to raise a child, but you shouldn't be putting that all on the woman. No. No. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a good objection. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's his his whole point is like, you know, the Lord doesn't the the law seems to assume their automatic fitness to parent and is that just because they happen to give birth like that's not a good test um and yeah and he's just like blaming saying some really problematic things about the the women that uh end up being pregnant and it's just not cool teenage mums basically like and it's like i'm sorry but they aren't uh, the you know first evil like <laughs> just exactly. teenagers doing what teenagers do and it's not their fault you're not you know giving them good contraception and things like it's not yeah their there's fault. so many reasons that sex are behind teenage pregnancy yeah, exactly exactly yeah um it was um, funny though watching this yesterday and my new manager had just made a similar point when we were like doing <gasps> really? this one um like meet and greet thing with the whole finance team. She said something about how, you know, she didn't have to have any qualifications to have kids, but adopting a dog was a nightmare. Like everything that they had to do to adopt a dog (laughs) versus having kids. It's crazy, isn't it? It's kind of a, a silly argument really, because it's like there's, there's, good reasons for checks you know if you can check that someone's fit to parent or look after an animal why wouldn't you like you know (laughs) and also it's not like you can like uh, you know he's right in terms of like yes technically you can have anyone can as long as they're fertile anyone can have children but it's that thing of like but that's not the end of the story if you're abusive if you're negligent like your children can be taken away from you if you're proven to be a danger your children can and are taken away from you (laughs) yeah you don't get to have children and do what the fuck you want exactly so (laughs) it's not as simple as he's making it out to be at all no. And the social worker is kind of just dumbfounded into speechlessness. <laughs> he just doesn't say anything. He's just like, what is coming out of this man's mouth? Yeah. Um, but whilst this is happening, uh, Margaret is on the stand saying that bonding can take weeks or it can happen instantly. There's no guarantee. Every case is different. Um, and she says the likelihood is that the baby hasn't bonded with Elaine. However, she says you can't say that for certain. 
And John asks her if she thinks that the baby should stay with Elaine or be placed elsewhere. And Margaret says that um, she thinks the baby should stay with Elaine because she seems to be a good mother. I was like, based on what? Just because they've told her that she is. That's fine. Um, And she says, but also the less disruption, the better from the baby's perspective. Um, And then the social services lawyer asks uh, Margaret whether it's more important to just keep things the same or to give the baby the best caretaker. And Margaret reluctantly opts for putting him with the best caretaker in uh, those two options. In my opinion, at this point, the baby probably hasn't bonded because... No. I mean, the baby has been babysat by Ling. So many people. (laughs) And we'll see that... Uh, the guys start babysitting like she's spending all of her time in court not with the baby right yeah i agree i agree so we're back at the man baby club that the (laughs) video goes to for men who are too like incapable of like having evolved thoughts and feelings um but billy has the floor and he's whining about georgia not agreeing to go to the party with him and the headman baby tries to figure out what went wrong here and he thinks that when billy kissed another woman you can't just climb out of that enormous betrayal by asking your wife out on a date in fact just asking her out could have made things worse by trivializing that offense And so he asks Billy, why did you kiss the other woman? And Billy is like, because I'm not good enough. Everything I did, Georgia complained about it. Even when we made love, I could hear Peggy Lee singing in my head. Is that all there is? And I was like, there's probably a reason for that, Billy. But anyway, (laughs) she's she's a glass half empty person who makes me feel like I drain the glass what does she expect what can I do then the head man baby asks Billy what what can he do and then we get the mother of all rants which we'll insert so that we can really get a feel for the magnitude of his (laughs) man babydom because he goes I don't know she wants me to change, change, change. And when I did, she goes off and sucks face with the father of one of my old girlfriends. And when I get upset and fall off the fidelity wagon for a split second, she walks on the marriage like I'm the bad guy. And when I go back groveling for a lousy date, she says no, not enough grovel for her. She wants more. You know what? I am not going to give her more. I am not going to give her the continued satisfaction of being able to reduce me to the size of a bug so she can crush me with the heel of her shoe. I am sick of not being good enough. I am sick of being the poster boy for failure, which she does on purpose. She tries to belittle me. I know what she is. I know what she is. Say it, Billy. Say the word. She's a bitch! And they all just chant bitch, bitch, bitch into the sky as pigs are squealing and choral cult music starts up and the headman baby is like, oh my god, I've created monsters. I think the pig squealing part is the important thing to end on there. Yes. The pig squealing. I mean, I, Such I always fucks me off whenever Billy is like, I d- do one thing wrong for like one second. And it's like, it wasn't one <laughs> second. Like, I'm sorry, but Georgia had one kiss with with Ali's father and you had an entire makeout session with Farrah Fawcett. Fawcett Farrah, what's her name? <laughs> Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> Fawcett Farrah. <laughs> whatever her name is the Charlie's Angels woman like she, he, he was like there for like a good half an 
an hour sucking her face. Like, Georgia has one kid. Like, say, how are you the victim here? Not to mention the emotional cheating that he had been doing I with was gonna Ellie. say he's led a campaign for t- at least two years like emotionally like manipulating Ali and Georgia because he wanted attention like there's no way that this has been like oh I slipped up a little bit and let us <laughs> not forget we also know that he slept with a sex worker on his bachelor party exactly. which we found out in season one like, like, you do not get a free pass. Earth, <laughs> how on earth he thinks he has the higher ground here is, like, astonishing. It's, like, delusional. I just... It, it leaves me gobsmacked <laughs> every time. Gobsmacked. <laughs> it's like he's forgotten. It's like he doesn't even see these acts as something that he's done. No. Like, it's like he only remembers, like, the last one. But like, there could I, be a reason gen- for that. I genuinely oh, <laughs> oh, oh, no spoilers. But I, oh, I genuinely think when it comes to the bachelor party one, I I think he thinks that doesn't count. I je- he he just doesn't think that counts at all. Yeah, like I think that's game. why he never yeah. brings it up. Yeah. Or also, we do know that David E. Kelly forgets most of the stuff that he writes for his characters. So it's probably like, he's like, did that happen? I don't remember. I really hope that David E. Kelly has not forgotten all of that emotional cheating. (laughs) That would be a huge miss. (laughs) A huge miss. Big fuck up. Um, So back at Cage of Fish, Sandy is speaking up for once, telling Billy that these men's groups don't sound productive. (laughs) But Billy is all like, Actually, Sandy, lesser than women, they are because I've realised that I don't want to get back with Georgia. Um, I just didn't like the way he mansplained that to her because he was like, actually, <laughs> um, he's set. He's basically he's realised by chanting "bitch" into the sky that he feels guilty <laughs> about being unfaithful and he wants to make the guilt go away, but he doesn't want to get back with her. And then he asks Sandy to the Christmas party. And I'm like, what part of any of what you've just told her makes you think that she'd be into that, Billy? You've just told her that you screamed bitch with a bunch of man babies that you and that you could care less about your ex-wife who you cheated on. Like, sure, sign me up. Like, I mean, <laughs> what, what I what I love is that he he I, I love that he puts on what he probably thinks is his most charming smile when he asks her out <laughs> only for her to still shoot him down and be like oh, yeah actually <laughs> no. rightfully turns him down well thankfully she does because she's got two reasons one she works for him so well done sandy for having Boundaries. lines that no one else seems to have but also, she hasn't been there long enough yeah. but also two she's like you're not ready to start dating yet and so Billy just stares out the window. <laughs> like, hmm. Um, so Vonda starts singing um, No One Is Alone, which is a song from the Into the Woods musical, as the scene fades into Elaine cradling Elliot and hugging him in Ali's office. And I assume she's alone in Ali's office because Ali's not really doing any work today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> later... Uh, we then see Elaine coaching Ali at the bar to sing her Christmas party number. 
and Elaine has the baby in a carrier um, and she's kind of the, like a body carrier. So she's a strapped baby Elliot Bjorn. to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She straps, uh, straps Elliot to her chest and um, she's giving Ali pointers as the opening bars of Santa Baby starts up. Um, and then she starts to do the number herself to like demonstrate to Ali how it should be done. And Ali, you see Ali like awkwardly in the background trying to kind of mark through the movements <laughs> that Elaine's doing. Um and uh, <laughs> Elaine thinks the song is really right for Ali because it's soft and cute and sexy, which is three words I would never use to describe <laughs> her, but whatever. <laughs> and then she pushes Ali forward to try the second verse and she can't even get the first line right because she goes, Santa Claus. <laughs> and Elaine's like, baby, baby. <laughs> I think she really heard funny. the song. <laughs> I know. And that's when John comes running in, interrupting them because they're needed at the courthouse. I do really love that. I just think it's so alley to be like, Santa Claus. <laughs> Get it that wrong. So stupid. Yeah. Um, so Ling and Nell are in the elevator to the office and Ling has had the revelation that now she might want children because they can laser off stretch marks so it's not as big a sacrifice as she thought. Because <laughs> that's the sure. biggest consideration, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the doors open and she sees Richard holding the baby and she asks if she can have him. And he's like, sure. And then he throws the baby across the office like he's like, like a rug or a touchdown <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like a football because football that's, that's, for sure yeah yeah in the, in the uk we'd probably say rugby but yeah totally like a football and then in slow-mo ling and nell <laughs> do like, absolutely oh! exquisite gasping and shock it's so they like funny. throw their papers in the air and they're running to catch the baby but we can see from the slow-mo shots of the baby like twirling in midair <laughs> that it's actually it's not real it's a doll yeah um but Ling catches the doll um, and realizes it's a doll and it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then Billy appears with, with the actual, actual Elliot, <laughs> thinking that this is all a big, big lol. And, and Ling and Nell are not impressed. Um, <laughs> so Elliot is uh, so fresh and so clean in a ducky towel um, from having a bath. And I was like, did Billy bath him? I can't see him doing that, no. but I guess he did. I, sure. I don't know. Um, I reckon he's just got him in the towel i reckon someone else do you think sandy him. gave him a bath and then was like here you go have yeah. baby. <laughs> <laughs> and what did they bath him in would it be a sink in the unisex like probably have yeah. To be the sink. yeah it would um, but Ling is like, oh, let me hold him and she's cooing over him again and um and then he pees in Ling's face again that's like the big gag this this episode is babies peeing in faces so in court elaine is being questioned by ali on the stand um and ali asks her what uh, she thought when she picked the baby up from the manger and elaine says the first thing she thought was that he was beautiful and the second thing was that he was hers and she says that she's held babies before nieces nephews and friends babies but it hit her that this wasn't somebody else's child. And I was like, well, that settles it. She had a feeling he was hers. Let's all go home. Like, that's the end. <laughs> Great <laughs> <Lenny> again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it. But anyway, Ali asks 
if um, Elaine is even able to raise the child because she is a single working woman. And Elaine says, well, I I will have to cut back on work, um, but I can do that because I made a lot of money with this face bra. (laughs) And she's about to like explain to the judge what the face bra is. And Ali's like, no, 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 never mind. Um, (laughs) But she's she's saying basically, um, I've made my money on that. So I can afford to cut back on work. That's not a problem. Um, And Ali asks Elaine about her experience with kids. And Elaine says, well... To be honest, nothing has really prepared me for this. Um, but I, uh, she's she's very very adamant that she's ready to raise this baby. Um, then the social services lawyer then crosses and tries to use a bunch of um, things that have happened in Elaine's past that we know about as the audience to kind of prove why she's not fit to mother. So um, the lawyer brings up the customized condoms that she invented. Um, how many men she slept with as a reason for her not to be considered an adoptive mother. Slut shaming. Um, which is such bullshit, yeah. Um, John and Ali object to that and the objection is sustained. Um, the judge is like, don't go there. But then the opposing counsel asks if a while back, Elaine removed cappuccino foam from John's nose by performing a sexual act on it and we get a delightful flashback of that <laughs> happening. <laughs> Um, and Elaine's like, but that was that was just for fun. Um, and then the lawyer asks about her fluffing duties for John, which we've always been very icked out about, but we know that it's happened. Um, and Elaine is saying, well, it was one time and I didn't know that he was going to spank Nell. And Ali is trying to object and John is stuttering. And then the opposing counsel goes, isn't it true you enjoy passing yourself off as an office slut? And Elaine says again, for fun. <laughs> and the opposing counsel so it's like well what a fun mum you'll make and for the final blow he brings up that she was sued by family members who said that she stole the idea for the face bra as an example of you know look even her own family thinks that she's dishonest so this is my objection um, okay. like his whole line of questioning is like it just incensed me I was just like how fucking dare you like you're basically mm. insinuating that a woman who is sexual at any point in her life uh, is bad mother material. Like, bear in mind, every incident he's he's mentioned, like, it's not like she was supposed to be looking after a child when these things were happening. <laughs> exactly. Like, she... And it just... And it's just like, fuck you! Like, it completely comes back to me, to the, like madonna whore complex like women Mm. can only be one or the other they can't be both like or they can't be anything in between like they're either a mother or they're a whore and you can't mix the two and it's just like yeah cannot entertain that we are three-dimensional human beings that contain multitudes like that's just too difficult to do like i just yeah really the fact that someone's past like this could be used against them against to deny them, them yeah. from being a mother is yeah. really like there are there are good like reasons to have uh you know concerns about Elaine adopting and or, or having or at least adopting this baby like mm. and but this isn't it like this ain't it chief no, like this is not the reason exactly like, also i thought it was odd that he threw in the condoms invention that she came up with as part of all of that because i'm like don't ceos of condom firms have kids like yeah how does that like prevent it's because you? she's a woman 
well exactly that that was like lumped in as part of all of that um not that all of the other stuff was acceptable it absolutely wasn't um but yeah and I just thought it was such a such a shitty line of argument absolute bullshit absolutely yeah agreed Um, so, yeah, Elaine, John and Ali are in the elevator back to the office in silence because obviously that didn't go very well. Um, and Elaine is wondering how they got all of that stuff on her because it had to be someone at the firm, she thinks. So as the elevator arrives, Elaine gets out and sees Richard and she just com- straight away goes up to him and accuses him of giving this an- ammunition to the social services. Um, and Nell is standing next to Richard and then she sort of, was it you as well? Uh, or, or or was it you even? Um, and Richard and Nell are like, well, well, you didn't say anything. And Elena's like, I don't believe you. You two would just trash me for the sport, which I felt really sad. Sad that Elaine feels that way, but also Richard looks really hurt that he that you know he's hurt the fact that he thinks that she thinks that about but him the as thing well is, I, I i have a similar note in that i think it's super sad how like elaine immediately believes like everyone there would bow bad mouther to like right. the authorities but also i kind yeah. of don't blame her for thinking that no. considering how they will shout at her for no reason and though that is yeah happening less and less as like the seasons go by like it just goes to show how that kind of treatment kind of sticks with you well you can't just kick a dog and expect them to trust you yeah <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? like, that's what they do they yeah. kick her a lot and like when it comes to the crunch don't expect her to trust that you've got her back do you know what I mean yeah um so you know everyone looks quite hurt and Ali is a bit like well someone must have told because even Ali didn't know about the fluffer thing and then Lynn comes out holding the baby and gives him to Elaine and I thought it was interesting that Elaine didn't accuse Ling of that and I think that's because their friendship has come on in leaps and bounds since they did that swing dance competition at the end of season two like they've they've been more kind of like friends I say rather than you know uh, sort of arguing but um, then Billy comes over and it's all like I figured it out it's Renee because I was there when the social services lady came to Renee's office and I was a bit like at this point in the episode I was like it can't have been Renee because if Ali didn't know about the fluffer thing there's no way Renee did yeah anyway I didn't like the way Billy was just like it's Renee it's like rather than yeah. just going over and being like, it might be Renee because I, exactly. you know, he's like so certain it's Renee. It's just like, yeah, right. But I was skeptical right from the beginning because I was like, if Ali, like Renee would only ever know all of that stuff via Ali. And if yes. Ali didn't know about the fluffer thing, then there can't have been Renee. But anyway, we cut to Ali's gone to Renee's office to get to the bottom of it. And Renee is like, I didn't say anything like that. I just said good things. And then Georgia comes out and admits that she told the social services all of it. And I was like, of course, because she was the one that caught Elaine and John doing the fluffing yeah. thing in the unisex. Yeah. So that makes total sense. Well done, David E. Kelly, for writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> so she says that she didn't slam Elaine, but the woman did ask for the positives and the negatives. And it is about the child. And Georgia's point of view is that she's not qualified to say who would be the best parent and actually needs neither are you Ali social services are trained to make that call and they need all of the facts to do it but then Ali tells Georgia off for not being on Elaine's side because basically she's just given the DSS loads of stuff that they can use against her 
And also, to my mind, she's given the DSS loads of irrelevant this stuff. This is it. Like, why yeah. bring that up? Well, I think the fact that it was another woman to bring all this shit up, like it's fucking relevant, is actually quite realistic. Like, I think women mm. internalise misogyny just as much as men do and can often be other women's harshest, like, critics and judges. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, And I also, at the same time, don't think that Georgia will have done this out of spite. Like, I think she genuinely thinks she's done the right, responsible thing. But then I think at the same time, like, I think most white women that call the police on black people for existing while being black also think that they're doing the right, responsible thing too. So I think she's been a bit of a fucking Karen right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. She is. Very topical as well. Exactly. um, Yeah, I think... uh, it's just uh, it's just a shame when you see white women, or not white women in this case necessarily, race isn't the thing, but just women internalised um, misogyny mm. um, and, and play it back as though they're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm actually, as we get onto verdict of the week, I'm not saying that I think necessarily that Elaine should have custody of that kid but i think no. this whole line of argument to argue why she shouldn't is it's a complete wrong, red herring yeah it's Absolutely. like the wrong reasoning behind like yeah i i agree but we'll get there <laughs> yeah <laughs> so next we have a horrendous scene of infant radicalization because <laughs> Billy has that small baby and is dancing with him in turn in time to new man in town and i'm like he is not gonna be the latest addition to your man baby cub i don't care if he's about to become a man or that he's a baby he does not belong get him away (laughs) it only lasts a few seconds it's true it's true thankfully it does um because um he's like the baby likes it and richard's like no he's just got gas <laughs> and then john asks if he could have a go so he picks up the baby um and they all start dancing to um barry white my first my last my everything um and they're kind of passing the baby around and it's very kind of three men and a baby yeah. <laughs> three it's man three babies men- and a baby <laughs> The cinematography in that scene was very odd, too. Like, it wasn't... It was a fun scene, I guess, but it was, like, weirdly shot. Like, there were a lot of arms in the way. (laughs) They were like, look, this is how the baby is magically getting from one guy to the next. And it's like, we're not idiots. Like, obviously, they'll be passing him around. You don't need to show all of the arms. It's very funny. It's quite funny. funny. Yeah, if three three men and a baby was a musical, like, this would be a scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Finally, someone sensible comes in, um, Nell, and she stops them from dancing with the baby because he just ate, so he's obviously going to throw up all over them. (laughs) But then she also passes on the message to John that the judge wants them back for closing arguments because she wants to get it all wrapped up by the end of the day. So... The closing statements are going on um, and the social services lawyer goes first and says that they aren't trying to get at Elaine. They just want to make sure of the welfare of the child um, and they have some concerns and they have to compare Elaine to other couples who have really had a lot of preparation for a long time to adopt a child. Um, And their concerns about Elaine are that she's a single woman 
she's a promiscuous person um, and she's someone whose integrity has been questioned by her own family. Um, so they feel that it's possible to do better by this child. And if it's possible, then we should do better. Um, then Ali closes and says that the uh, opposing counsel doesn't know Elaine and she does. Um, and if she had a hypothetical child, she would give it to her if she had one. <laughs> and so, would give it to Elaine first. Like she would go to <laughs> yeah, Elaine first. first. She thinks she might even give it to Elaine first. <laughs> and then she says, she does then say some very sweet things about Elaine. She says that she's loving, she's giving, she's unselfish, she's highly moral. And more than anything else, she's a caretaker, which I think is broadly true. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does point out that the face bra lawsuit shouldn't be a consideration because that only happened because her cousin was a lying son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> and... The she goes her defense for the promiscuity kind of charge or like accusation is like that's mostly talk, not it shouldn't fucking be relevant, but never mind. <laughs> and then she's like, but the rest happened before she came became a mother, and she's a mother now. And she's like, and if you don't believe me, look into Elliot's eyes. <laughs> I'm like, that's not. That's not I love how she's like, I love she's like, if you don't believe me, ask Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and he doesn't give a shit as long as the person that's holding him is going to feed him or change him like <laughs> and she goes and if you knew elaine then we wouldn't be in court arguing and i'm like this is such a terrible terrible but argument this is, like what uh, case I mean, are they trying here uh, it's terrible she does do this like quite a lot i feel like this has been an argument before of look the thing is you guys <laughs> just don't know this person like I know this person if you knew this person like I know this person like there wouldn't be an issue here <laughs> it's just like that can't be your argument like <laughs> that's not that's not anything not how the law works <laughs> and I just wish she wouldn't close with like this mawkishness like it's so like oh come on she loves to bring her personal experience into her closing arguments. Absolutely. She really does. Yeah, yeah. Really does. So then Vonda is singing a lullaby called All the Pretty Little Horses, um, and it's gotten dark outside, and Ali is holding Elliot in her office as Billy comes in, um, and Ali explains that she's looking after Elliot because Elaine's in the bathroom, so Elaine's, like, literally never looking after <laughs> Elliot. Exactly. <laughs> He's bonding with all of the other people in the office. (laughs) Um, So Billy asks if uh, Ali wants him to hold Elliot, but Ali's like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. And then Ali goes, seven years ago, I would have thought this would be us. And I was like, why say that? Oh, God. Let it go. (laughs) I know. They kind of laugh about what has happened in between, like he's bleached his head, Ali's trying to be Earth for Kit. And then he, he kind of, touches Ali's finger and he's like what did happen to us and Ali's like I don't know and I'm like I'll tell you what happened Billy saw a new bit of skirt and fucked off because he's an asshole like you know this you went to therapy about it and clearly he is having a hard time being by himself like he just wants somebody attention yeah oh dear like the man baby that he is it's horrendous so 
So it, the time has come. <laughs> this is the fun <laughs> bit of the episode. So the opening bars of Santa Baby start up as everyone's gone down to the party to see Ali sing. Uh, Billy can't believe that it's happening. Um, and as they're kind of wondering like when it's starting, suddenly a spotlight makes Ali appear as she's leaning seductively on the side of the stage wearing the classic sexy Santa outfit. Um, and she starts singing and everyone's surprised because she's doing a good job. She's like <laughs> doing the sexy, coquettish kind of vibe. Um, as she sings, she eats a cherry from a dessert that a waiter hasn't actually served yet. So <laughs> poor schmuck, who gets that? Um, and she then spits the cherry out at a random dude who seems delighted to have at least like half-eaten cherry. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like oh yeah great keep spinning fruit at me um, <laughs> then she approaches Richard and she sits on his lap and puts his head on her chest and then she like pushes him away and then she turns to John and puts her boot up on his chest um, and Richard tries to put money in her bra but she just throws it back at him because she's so sassy and then finally she approaches Ling and rubs her shoulders and then Billy she kind of puts her finger in and around <laughs> his mouth yeah like, goes what in and then around <laughs> yeah it's uncomfortable <laughs> no wonder he gets mixed messages from her right <laughs> but before we can get to the end of the song um elaine checks her beeper and it seems like they've been called back to court so <laughs> i remember thinking like first time round, like watching this um when it when we first saw it um thinking like it was like proper sexy but now i watch it and i feel <laughs> like it's a bit off just in terms of like I think what Ali's trying to do is be like this cool, like almost like ice queen kind of sexy. Standoffish. Yeah. yeah play hard to but, get. Yeah, but I, I... I'm in control. Yeah, but actually I think she comes across as quite detached at times to like to the point where I'm like is he is she like disassociating like I wonder I wonder how comfortable Callista Flockhart actually was doing this like it's really it, I don't know if anyone else got that vibe but that was just something that I was just like oh okay I'm not I'm not sure she's that into this actually <laughs> I didn't get that impression. To me, it did seem like she was having fun. And I really did appreciate the moment when Fish does try to give her money and like slips it into her like top and she yeah. throws it back because yeah. she's not a stripper. Like no. that's not what's happening here. She's performing yes. at a holiday party for attorneys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. Totally. I like that. I, I think there are lots of very funny moments like that, like the um, <laughs> playing with Billy's mouth. <laughs> like, it's just that's hilarious. But yeah, yeah. Like, it just there was just something about I don't know. She looked like she had a bit of dead eyes. <laughs> But I think that's um, Ali's, I don't know if it's Callista's, I've never seen Callista do a sexy dance as Callista, but I think that's Ali's version of sexy. I don't think she can do like Renee sexy or like no. Elaine sexy. I think she has to play it as like, I'm standoffish. I don't even care if you find this sexy. Because otherwise, if she's tr like, if she tries too hard, 
she yeah. will psych herself out. To try you know hard, I mean. to die hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, she's um I think I think that's just her way of like adopting a sexy ish persona. Persona she can't do the like um diva kind of um I don't know, just so like overtly Sasha sexual. Fierce. Yeah. Yeah. She can't she can't quite pull that off. So no. yeah. But it it's still fun. It's still a great scene. I like it. It's really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um so yeah, so Elaine's got this uh beeper message um cut to everyone is in court dressed in their party clothes, which <laughs> for John just meets a suit. Sexy Santa. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all there to hear the verdict um and ali looks a bit embarrassed doesn't she because she's sort of covering her chest <laughs> like don't look at me um and um elaine is worried because she was asked to bring elliot and she doesn't think that's a good sign but then the judge starts and says that cases like this come down to character and while she gulps at the thought of customized condoms, again, why? Um, or Elaine's embracing of slut as part of her self-image, um, she looked to the people who know Elaine, and apparently the endorsement by Ali was so strong that the judge thinks that Elaine's going to be an exceptional mother. Sexy Santa thinks you're going to be a good mother. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't say anything about that. Um, well, good that she didn't say anything about that, but still, it's strange. Um, it's weird double standard. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. Um, she grants Elaine temporary guardianship and everyone's really shocked because I don't think they expected that. I think they didn't think they were going to win. Well, I was genuinely surprised. I didn't think they were going to win either. It's Christmas. Of course they're going to win. Yeah, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Back at the party, Vonda is singing a song called Saved, which was first recorded by an artist called Laverne Baker, but it's been covered by loads of people. So Elvis has done a version of this. Lulu's done a version of this. Uh, Brenda Lee's done a version of it. So it's quite a well-covered song. Um, but she's singing it with this like weird neck covering i don't know if you noticed it but it's like this silver shaggy no i missed this i was like oh the late 90s (laughs) (laughs) what the hell um go back and check um but anyway billy and sandy are dancing ling and richard are dancing we see the dancing twins who we haven't seen since season two episode 19 um let's dance that episode they're dancing with margaret Yes, they're dancing with Margaret. And John, Nell and Ali are watching. And Ali just can't believe that her closing did it for them and that Elaine is a mother. Um, And that's when we find out that Elaine is upstairs with the baby because the music is too loud. Um, And then they seem to look over at the twins dancing with Margaret in disgust, which I wasn't a massive fan of because I was like, why can't they dance with Margaret? Like, leave her alone. Yeah, leave Margaret alone. Yeah, leave, leave Margaret alone. She's really victimized in this show. I really don't like she it. She really is. Um, One thing I noted when they were talking about how Elaine went upstairs because the music was too loud. How is that an appropriate first night for being a mom with a baby? Like, he doesn't have any of the stuff that he needs to live <laughs> like a crib <laughs> diapers like doesn't she need to go shopping for this kid that she now has custody of she's like <laughs> i know party then shopping <laughs> yeah she hasn't really thought this through i don't think no yeah <laughs> um so yeah so they're all very pleased with themselves they all clink their drinks and are like yay cheers congrats as the scene fades out to 
Elaine changing Elliot in the office. And I was a bit like you. Like, I was like, Elaine, go home. Like, why are you in the office if you're just upstairs? Um, But she's changing his diaper with a pair of safety goggles on, which is a new invention, clearly, um, because they have little windshield wipers on. And she kind of switches them on when he obviously kind of pees in her face saying i'm onto your tricks now <laughs> i'm like how quickly did she manage to whip up that prototype like that's <laughs> mental she's had that baby a matter of days that's more time she was spending away from elliot <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and then a bunch of people come out of the elevator to interrupt elaine's happy diaper time because it turns out One of them is a woman called Lynn Hart and Elliot is her son and Elaine looks crushed. Um, Yeah. So we fade into a new scene and Ali is with Elaine in John's office trying to get her to calm down because she feels really faint. And then John comes in and he's been talking with this crowd of people and he's found out that the woman is a single mother she was suffering with postpartum depression and she had actually watched Elaine find Elliot and she'd also been parking her car outside Elaine's apartment and she'd even watched some of the proceedings in court and basically she wants to have her baby back um, and she's going to move in with her parents um, and they will assume guardianship with her is their plan and Ali's just like do you mean she just has to give him back? And then Lynn comes in like, no, she doesn't. I've been anticipating that this might happen. um, And I've already been doing research. Apparently there was a recent case where a court ruled that when a parent voluntarily gives up their child and abandonment is um, deemed as being voluntarily giving them up, you can't just take the de facto parent's rights away, which is what Elaine is, the de facto parent. And then Richard and Billy come in as Ling is still talking through that case law um, and saying like they can fight this. And Elaine's all like, yeah, yeah, I want to fight even if we might not win. And Richard is like, I'll put the whole firm on it, like really serious. And then Billy's like, I'm going to get right on Westlaw. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so emotional. How everyone's You guys. (laughs) (laughs) But then John is like, can I just speak to Elaine and Ali on my own, please? Um, Because he needs to get them to face reality. Because he says, this case might give you a chance um, that Ling's found, but he thinks that they're just going to use the depression to say that she wasn't in her right mind. So she wasn't acting voluntarily. And then he kind of pulls up a chair to kind of get Elaine to see this because she has to see this. He says, if she wants to keep Elliot, it's going to be a really long fight where if you lose, Elliot's going to be older and therefore it's going to be more detrimental to him. Um, But if we win, you'll have to explain one day that you went to court to take him away from his biological mother. And even though biological doesn't mean better parent, John doesn't think, or he doesn't know if it's actually in the best interest of Elliot to fight this fight. And his sense is that he doesn't think they're actually dealing with bad people here, um, even though they could build a case that they were. But he says that whatever you want to do, the firm will support you. And Elaine, this is all just kind of sinking in for Elaine. Um, she's kind of holding her head. And then she just gets up and she goes out the room and Ali and John follow her and everyone's just there waiting for what Elaine's going to do. And Nell is holding Elliot and Elaine just picks him up and walks over to Lynn. 
And she asks Lynn what his real name is. And Lynn says his name's Alan, Alan Matthew Hart. Not a name that I would uh, think of for a 90s baby. Alan. No, I would, well, our dad's called Alan, so clearly he was a baby at one point. No, but not a 90s baby. Baby Al. <laughs> not what you call a 90s baby. Um, no. But yeah, and then Elaine just looks at Lynn and says, how do I know that you're not going to abandon him again? And Lynn says, well, I didn't totally abandon him this time. I was ready to go back and take him, but then I saw him in your arms and I thought he might be better off, but I can't go on living without my son. And she says that she's getting help with her depression. And then she just apologizes for putting Elaine through this and causing her this hurt. And Elaine, who is so sad and tearful, just kisses the baby and gives him to Lynn, and everyone's really sad, and Elaine whispers, I love you, to the baby, and then she walks back to John's office without looking back, Lynn and her entourage just kind of leave really quietly, and everyone is sad, and Ali and Nell are crying, and there's just this fade out to black, and I was just like, God, God! (laughs) Definitely the best acting I've seen from Jane Krakowski. Oh God, she's so brilliant in this oh, scene. It's she's so, so good. good. You really feel, even though the whole way through the episode, I was like, "What a fucking ridiculous case!" You cannot just find <laughs> yeah. a baby and be like, "I want to keep it." But yeah. at the end, I felt so much for Jane. Uh, Jane. Yeah, <laughs> not Jane. Elaine. Felt so much for Elaine. <laughs> I know this ending is just so emotional. Like I love that Ling is like there in a fucking heartbeat, like ready to like fight for Elaine, and like Richard and Billy are there to support. And I love that that John just has the wisdom to just slow everything down and just like whoa 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 like is this actually the right thing to do for Elliot because uh, or is this just the right thing I don't think it is um and then just Elaine being so like bloody graceful in her sorrow and her heartbreak and like she loves Elliot enough to let him go at Christmas Mm. (laughs) at Christmas it's just like it's so, so I was like yeah I was crying by the end and I didn't I was expect crying. that I would like and it yeah oh great good stuff it was brilliant stuff and it's stuff it's episodes like these where you get some really fun stuff and you get the really hard hitting emotional stuff but Ali McBeal as a show can do both of those things really well just it just takes sometimes they don't quite hit the mark or the balance right but I feel like this episode did it really well yeah um and I, yeah, I just think this is like some of the best stuff you see from this show. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Retry. Social yes. Was it social services versus Vassal? Or was it Vassal versus social services? Either way, it's uh, Elaine's custody. One or the other. <laughs> trial. Um, how, do, how would you guys find? So I might disagree with you guys based on what you've been saying. <gasps> I actually somewhat agreed with the judge, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was a petition for temporary guardianship. Mm -hmm. I don't think that, you know, taking the baby and putting it through um, more turmoil and stuff would necessarily be the best thing when clearly she has a lot of people around her who are both advocating for her and will be there to help her as she, like, figures out these next steps. 
So seeing that is probably the main reason why I would probably agree. Like, I don't think the baby going into, like, foster care would necessarily be the right step, which is the same thing that Elaine thought. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she's the right long-term parent, but this case specifically was about temporary guardianship, which I was fine with. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I, yeah, I mean, I I was glad that she wasn't discounted from being a, considered a fit mother um, just because she likes to be seen as, like, the office slut. Um, and I agree. I don't, I don't think that, um, I, do, I don't think uh, being put into foster care um, or, like, some kind of in like government institution for abandoned babies or orphans or whatever it is that they'd go into would be better for for him like whilst they figure out like a permanent place like I absolutely yeah that would be the worst place for him to go um but like as a long-term kind of uh you're right the the actual case is about temporary guardianship so I think that's uh, I think you're right about that I think it's just when you uh get to like the long term like finders keepers shouldn't be like child custody policy (laughs) yeah that's that's basically it for me I think I think you have both have a point on the temporary nature of the case. I wasn't really viewing it like that. But even if I was, um, I think that does give Elaine more of a shot. But I'm not sure. I just, the thing that I keep coming back to is that people who are foster parents and people who are adoptive parents have to go through so much rigor and so much um, kind of uh, testing and hoops for good reason, because a lot of these kids that have been abandoned have issues, have special considerations. They need to have certain training to look after these kids. And I'm not saying that Elliot's necessarily one of those kids, but certainly like there are people primed and ready that have passed all of those tests that have been desperately waiting for a child to look after for months. Um, and I just feel like the case that they tried in the court didn't do anywhere near the amount of rigorous testing that these other families will have been through um, that are ready to look after a child that has been abandoned. And just because Ali's like, I like her and she's nice and I might give a hypothetical child to her first, possibly, (laughs) that the judge is swayed by that. I just thought that was really weak. argument that they won on and I'm not saying that Elaine wouldn't or shouldn't have passed all of those tests but I feel like she has to have been judged against the same standards that everyone else is Mm. um and I I it's not and yes it is unfair that you can just have a baby biologically and not have to go through all of that um but that's tough that's just the way the world is like adopting and fostering a kid is not like having a baby biologically for good reasons so I don't know I just I just I think I was a bit let down that the case wasn't particularly strong on either yeah. side um uh, particularly the, the what they won I, I don't, don't, think, they put up I a don't good think they were having the right debate basically no 
They just yeah. weren't having the right debate. I can definitely see that. It just seemed like an excuse to be like, oh, she's a slut, so she can't be a mum. And mm. I was like, that's that's not a great debate no. to be having. And also it's completely irrelevant for this sort and of thing. And also, um, I know her and I like her, so she'll be a good mum is also not yeah. a great <laughs> I was, argument. I was going to say, it seemed like a lot of the evidence in her favour was anecdotal. Like they never yeah. went to her no apartment facts. and saw like yeah. where she lives and yeah. you know used that as the basis. All the stuff that they put other people through that apply to be foster or adoptive parents, they weren't. They didn't see any of that, no. which I think was a big mistake. Um, but I do obviously want to applaud the performances because especially Jane Krakowski for making me feel so badly for her, even though I didn't think it was necessarily the right thing for the child. Yeah. Um, but I still felt her pain, like I got it. And at the beginning of the episode, I really wasn't feeling it at all. Yeah. So I think that is testament to Jane um, for being so great at her job. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting one to think about though. Definitely. Verdict of the week. The jury's back. Katie, how do you find? I think we may all have a similar one. I was going to say <laughs> that Billy is guilty. Oh, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> it really comes down to his behavior, especially at that baby man meeting. He's so <laughs> insecure and oh, he is yeah. taking it out on his strong wife. And it's just ridiculous the way he's yeah. behaving this entire episode. We talked about it a lot, like how he asks out Sandy and like does all these things. Like he talks to Allie about like where they went wrong. Like those are all things that just come down to him being so insecure. And that's something that's a very recurring theme for Billy mm. throughout this whole mm. series. But I felt like with this episode, he was the one who was most guilty <laughs> i agree i had billy as guilty um and one of the main reasons that i gave billy a guilty i mean he's he's always guilty in my eyes but um <laughs> in this episode particularly he just that rant that he went on in the man baby hq uh, screaming that georgia is a bitch and just shouting it chanting it into thin air it's just so pathetic and one of the reasons i really wanted to call him out and have him as my verdict of the week is because i feel like it would be easy to kind of sweep that stuff under the radar this episode because of all of the emotional baby stuff but i just wanted to be like i see you billy i see your bullshit i see it and i am not letting it go well, I got completely swept up with the emotional baby stuff. <laughs> and my verdict was uh, to give Elaine a not guilty. Just because Aww. I was just so gutted for her by the end. I mean, like we, we've we discussed in retrial, she may not have been the right person for Elliot to be with. Um, but... Alan. Oh, Alan. Um, but it was like <laughs> a, the baby. <laughs> baby! Um, it was just proper horrendous what happened to her. And, you know, maybe she was partly an architect of that by allowing herself mm. to get swept up in it. But she just wanted to protect and care for Elliot and... And to fight yeah. and win only for it to just all be snatched Get away snatched from away. her like hours mm. later was just proper devastating. And I just, I really felt for her. So I want to wing and her a little not guilty. And she did the right thing. 
And she did she do did the, the right, right thing. thing. Yeah. In the end, she did. She, she looks after his best interests, in, yeah. as you say, in such a graceful way, even though she was hurting so badly, which is, you know, absolutely yeah. um, heartbreaking, but absolutely, I think, deserves a not guilty. Exactly. So, right. so there we go. Yep. Great. So, yeah, thank you for joining us on that emotional journey, Katie. I got really kind of quite (laughs) sad at the end there, Um, which is interesting because that was the last episode of the millennium for this show. And they really went out on like a sobbing kind of... (laughs) Yeah, they wouldn't have had another episode out until I guess sort of after all the Christmas stuff had happened. So, you know, mid-Jan. So it's really quite a big strong episode to go out on yeah that yeah. fade to black where it's just like sad and then that's like oh that's the end of the episode yeah yeah it's really quite it leaves it hanging i was kind of shocked though what's the end of the episode like i expected there to be like a a wrap-up scene so like and sort of no. soften like soften that ending but they really like choose to go out on like uh a... i like that they kept that emotion just in yeah the air, i agree it, was, it made it so much more impactful Absolutely. in my opinion no i agree i, I agree. just yeah I, I i think um i think maybe i just had like lesser expectations for them i was just like oh, yeah they're gonna, normally like, they would this. do like yeah. a snow walk montage exactly yeah yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Put a montage button on it like um but yeah, yeah, this time they just yeah they were brave Made and out. let it and let it yeah. hang yeah, brilliant. So yeah, tell us what you thought of Blue Christmas. Um, I hope it hasn't made you too blue. I know it's not Christmas, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, did you love Jane Krakowski as much as we did, and did you hate Billy as much as we did? Obviously, the answer to that is yes. Otherwise, why are you even <laughs> listening to us? <laughs> and then, if you want to let us know, um, you can hit us up on twitter at bygones podcast instagram at bygones pod facebook at bygones podcast or you can email us we love an email and um, we get quite a few emails from people because they don't feel brave enough to comment on social media i guess but we get reams of stuff from people um we are bygones podcast at gmail.com um katie where can people find your podcast and uh, find you on socials yeah, so our podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at TFGIF Podcast. Same everywhere, basically. We don't really use <laughs> Facebook. Um, probably most active on Twitter. And yeah. yeah. Awesome. Great. Thank you so um, much for coming on, Katie. But yeah, thank you, Katie. No, thank you for having me. <laughs> really enjoy having you on at Christmas yeah. in May. <laughs> Christmas in May. <laughs> Until next time. Bye, guys. Santa baby. Just slip a sable under the tree for me Been an awful good girl, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue I'll wait up for you, dear Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight.